Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, good morning, Juliet First. Hey, good hearty, good morning. Good to see each of you this morning. Um, really, uh, I don't, I don't think we gave perspective on what just happened. Like, literally, Todd showed up this morning, our worship pastor, and we were getting ready to pray, and he said, my wife is having contractions every 10 minutes. And so, you know, they had practice Wednesday with Todd, and they call Weston at 8.30 and say, we just need you to show up. You're leading worship today. And so I don't think we can appreciate Weston enough for coming in, getting his daughter ready, and then coming here, and then leading us without any practice at all. Um, so, again, you guys have no clue what you have when it comes to musicians here at this church. Thanks again, Weston. Um, if you're new here, we are in the middle of a series called The Good and Beautiful Life, and we've been addressing the mess of our lives. It's been a fun series, and, um, man, I tell you what, it's been, it's been good for me. Uh, I know when I study and I read and I'm going through this, it's like, well, yep, this applies to me, and uh, especially this week. Wow, whatever we're talking about today, uh, it's been one of those weeks. Um, by the way, if you've been watching the Olympics, many of you know I have a fascination with Vikings. If you're not following the Winter Olympics, you should know that the Norwegians are killing it. Uh, the Vikings are killing it, and uh, I just think they're superior human beings. I don't know why. Um, pretty cool stuff. Uh, but anyway, just wanted to share that with you. Random side note. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, does it? Um, before we pray, I, I do want to say this, uh, in all seriousness, uh, before we start, um, you know, I've been, I've been thinking and watching um, um, our world. We talked about this last week over the last uh, week and a half or so with, with the shootings that have happened. And, and I want to pray for, for the families and the people in Florida. And um, I just want to say this, and it may be a little bit bothersome to some of you, uh, but that's okay. Um, just hang with me here. The, the problem is not uh, kids praying in schools. The, problem's, the problem is Christians not praying in homes. Uh, the problem is not out there. The problem is not the world. The, the, the problem that begins with us, right? We said last week, you want to look at the world, just take a look at your own self because that's the problem. You are part of the world. And so I would say this, like, hey, don't, don't worry about prayer in schools. Worry about praying in your own homes first. Well, like, that's where it starts. And so this morning, I would like for us to do that. Uh, and, and the other thing I want us to do is I would like for us to do what most people aren't doing, and that is pray for the shooter, you see, he has been demonized, and he's been called a monster. I love the language. He has been called a monster. But Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. Pray for those who persecute you. So I would not only pray for the families, but we're going to do what most people don't do and pray for the kid who committed the crime. Let's pray. Lord, we do give thanks for this day. Lord, we confess this morning that the greatest issue in the world is not the world, it is us, not living up to what you've called us to be. So we confess this morning that we have responsibility just as much as anybody else. Lord, we pray that we would become a people who are constantly in conversation with you, talking to you, to become more like you in every way. We pray the, for the victims of the shootings a couple weeks ago. There's no amount of words, no amount of justice, 
no amount of marching or uh, town hall conversations that could possibly bring redemption and joy and peace back into the lives of those who've lost their little ones. But we know that you are God and that you will find a way to bring peace into their lives. And we pray for the Christians in Florida who are there that can, can be the ones to support and to love and to care. But we can do that even here by praying. Lord, we pray for this young man who has committed this crime. Regardless of how we feel about him or what we think about him, the bottom line is you died for him on the cross and he is loved and he is cared for and he is valued and you may have a future for him even though many of us have written him off. So we pray for him as hard as it may be. Pray that you would be in this time this morning as we teach and we learn more about your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've received permission uh, from the missus to share this story with you this morning. Many of you don't know that in high school, and Janelle would share this with you, um, she didn't run with the most popular uh, crowd. She wasn't like the dorkiest person either. She wasn't dorky or cool. I think she was just corky. Like, uh, and she would say that. She was just corky. And uh, in fact, she said, you know, it's a good thing we didn't meet in high school because there's a good chance we probably wouldn't be together. And I'm glad we met after high school and met in college because my life has drastically changed because of her. I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. But I did. I, I asked for permission to share this story with each of you this morning. See, what you don't know about Janelle is when she went from high school into college, she became this very popular um, soccer playing uh, education butt kicking uh, can i say that in church i said it oops sorry uh but she just became this very cool person in fact many of you don't know this but she was the salutatorian at our school and she was also the homecoming queen our senior year yeah give her a hand she was hot she still is hot and you know what she became like the poster child for our college at mvnu um, she became the poster child. In fact, they interviewed her. They took pictures of her. Um, and, you know, she was going to become the face of the school. When they sent out promotional material, there would be Janelle with a great paragraph about how her life has been changed and how awesome she is. And, um, man, it was pretty cool. And so one day we were walking to chapel late at night, and um, I don't know why we were going there. I don't, I don't remember the exact reason. But we're walking up into the chapel, and she says, hey, stay here just a second. And she runs over to this wall where there is a poster. And I noticed that the closer she got, the more she stared and glared at the poster. And then she realized that the person on this poster was not her face. And so she walked off pretending like I didn't see what just happened. And I said, hey, did you just think that Miss MVNU had her debut? Like, did you just think that your face all of a sudden was going to show up on that poster? And then you were really disappointed only to see that it was somebody else. And she was really embarrassed. Because, you know, when you get your picture taken and when you have things written about you, like, it goes to your head. And, um... I said, hey, let me get a needle and let's come back down to reality. And it was, it was a great moment. I mean, I was, she was so embarrassed and her face was red and, and she knew I'd caught her, like, obsessing over the fact that she'd become the most popular person at school. Now, if you know Janelle, we've been together uh, dating and married for almost uh, 17, over 17 years. And I got to say, that was the only time in 17 years that we've dealt with this issue of vanity when it comes to her. 
Uh, you show up at my house, she's typically in t-shirt and sweatpants. She's just that kind of girl, um, and I love it. But it was interesting. We were talking about vanity, uh, and I said when I was talking with her about this story, and if it was okay to share with her, she asked this interesting question to me. She said, have, have you ever considered, or, or do you think that people who are not the most popular who don't have type A personalities, who aren't jocks, who don't run with the cool crowd, who aren't upfront kind of people. Um, do you think that they're some of the most vain people in the world? And I thought, that's a good question. Why would you say that? And she said, because in high school when I wasn't popular and I wasn't cool and, and I wasn't on the in crowd, um, I was always looking for value from others. I cared deeply and immensely about what others thought about me, and I thought that I would find my value based upon other people's assessment of me. Do you wonder if people are the most humble and the most lowly and the most, like, behind-the-scenes kind of people, are they the most vain? See, again, as we always say, it's not just this person issue or that person issue. It's an everyone issue. Whether you're a type A personality, type B, whether you're up front, behind the scenes, whether you're extremely smart, popular, unpopular, uh, just average when it comes to school, uh, wherever you are when it comes to your wits and who you are, all of us struggle with vanity. Because vanity is this, right? Vanity is rooted, I love this, vanity is rooted in insecurity and driven by our need for affirmation from others. At the heart of it, that is what vanity is. It is rooted in insecurity and driven by our need for affirmation from other people. And here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with vanity. Is that our worth is only as much as what the world says we're worth. Our worth is only as much as what the world says we're worth. And you know what that means? That means you're only as good as your next performance. It means you're only as good as what you can produce. It only means you're as good as what you do in life. And the problem with that, the problem with that is that we begin to base our value on a skewed system. Our value is determined by others' assessment. Our value is determined by others' assessment. And vanity and vainglory is our need for others to think well of us so we can find our worth. Have you been there before? Have you been really concerned about what other people think? And have you found value in what other people think? It's interesting. Um, you know Jesus is going to have something to say about this. He does every week. Uh, that's why we're here again. Uh, you shouldn't be surprised that we're going to be using um, words from Jesus. But we're going to take a break from Matthew. We've been following Matthew for this entire series, and we're going to look into the life of Luke, who writes about this very thing. And you're saying, well, what would Luke know about vanity? What would he know about being valued by other people? You see what's great about Luke is he used to be a doctor. He was in a lucrative practice only to leave it and to follow a lunatic. I mean, from lucrative to lunatic. Who does that? So the world's looking at him saying, you're stupid. Why would you do that? And Luke wasn't really sure that he believed in Jesus. He liked Jesus, uh, thought everything that was being said about Jesus was true. And so he left his practice to go and write about the life of Jesus. And here's what's interesting about Luke, especially when it comes to vanity. Luke was not a Jew like everybody else. He was an outsider. 
So essentially, he didn't belong on the in-group. And so here comes this guy who comes from the outside to write in about this movement that's taking place. And you can only imagine. I think if Luke were here today, he'd say, I struggled with this too. Because I cared. I cared what a community who I, you know, I wasn't considered part of, I cared what they thought. I cared what they thought about me. In fact, I cared. I cared a lot about what they thought when it came to my writing. Because I discovered Jesus, and I discovered truth about his life, and I wanted to share that with people, but I wasn't sure that my account was going to be good enough. And what I love is actually Luke's account is one of the best accounts, which I would tell you they're all the best. I mean, so, but it is. It's a great account of Jesus' life. And so he says, hey, I want to share this story with you today from Jesus because this, this is where it's at. And so Jesus says, I love it. He tells us, he said, there was a Pharisee who stood by himself and prayed. There was a Pharisee who stood by himself and prayed. And you're saying, well, why does Jesus always pick on the Pharisees? It's because nobody else picked on the Pharisees. They were always picking on everybody else. And Jesus didn't think it was fair, you see. Oh, my goodness. My wife told me not to say it. She was right. In all seriousness, no, you know why Jesus starts with the Pharisee? Is because vanity is a problem for religious people. Vanity is the problem of the religious, the faith followers, the ones who are pious and pure in their life. That's right. See, you've probably been sitting here last, over the last few weeks saying, I don't have a problem with lying. I don't have a problem with anger. I don't have a problem with lust. And the point is, we get to a point in our life where we feel like we're better than other people because we don't struggle with some of the more, quote, carnal sins. You, you know, conversely, irreligious people, irreligious people don't talk about their good moral, moral character. Because they know that they're a little bit inferior to other people. In fact, this is why I don't think they come to church. It's because they know when they walk in the door, they're going to have a value placed upon them based upon where they are in their current life. And they've got this feeling of, yeah, I'm just not good enough to be here. You know, they know where they stand morally. But the problem with religious people is they get to a point where they think they've got it all down. And they think they've got it right. And they think they're better than other people. And Jesus says, think again. Think again. See, I get it. Your sins may not be as bad as so-and-so's over here, but guess what? You still have problems. And here's the problem. It's vanity. Watch what happens in the story. It says, the Pharisee uh, was sitting alone and he prayed, and he said this. He stood by himself, he prayed, he said, God, I thank you. I love this. God, I thank you that I'm not like, what? Other people. I thank you that I'm not like those people, robbers. Oh, that's like, remember, anger, robbers, angry people, evildoers. Oh, that's right, those liars, right? Adulterers, oh, those people who lust. Thank God I'm not like them or even like this low-life tax collector. You hear the language? Thank God I'm not like other people. Do you see what he's doing? See, he's creating a value system on other people, and then he determines his worth on what he thinks others are valued at. See, this is the problem with vanity. Vanity is just not our value of others' assessment, but it is finding our value in others' assessment, our assessment of others. See, we spend so much time assessing other people 
And this is the way that we find value in life. Let me, t- let me tell you, personal story here, this is how it works in my house. There are times when I'm at home and Janelle will say, Hun, I know you had a stressful week. I know it's been busy. I know it's been crazy. And you're here, but you're not here. You're present, but you're not present. And your kids need you, and your wife needs you as much as your thoughts need you. And you know what? I value what my wife thinks. And her assessment of me is that I am not being a good father at that time. Her assessment of me when she says that is I'm not living up to being a good husband. And I feel like I'm not being a good family man when she says that. And so inevitably, I get anxious and I get defensive. And you know what you do when you get anxious and defensive? You start pointing at other people. And so what I'll do is I'll say, well, you know what? At least I'm not like... And then I named some deadbeat dad who's cheated on his wife and he's left his kids. I used to do that. Well, at least I'm not like it. And then I'd name that dad. You know the problem with that? Is you are placing yourself over the least common denominator. And you are valuing yourself compared to all the wrong people. You want to know why we're stuck? You want to know why you don't feel like you're living up to the potential you've been called to live to? It's because you are looking at everybody else. We look at everybody else and say, well, at least I'm not like. At least I'm not that big. Or at least I'm not that mean. Or at least I don't treat my kids that way. My, my grades aren't as bad as. And we say, at least I'm not. At least I'm not. At least I'm not. And when we do that, when we say, at least I'm not, we are just living to the least. And you are living the life of an illusion and a lie. And you know why? Because when you compare yourself to the least common denominator, you are placing value on yourself higher than what you think you are. That is the lie of vanity. Making us think we are better than what we actually are. So Jesus continues, vanity part two, I love this. God, I thank you that I'm not like those other people. (laughs) Those angry people, those liars, those lusters, those tax collectors. Thank you that I'm not like them. And he says this. He says, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get to the poor or to the church or to the temple. I just let you know, I give a tenth of all I get. Jesus is like, all right, I know. I've been around you guys. Listen, uh, you like make your face look horrible so people know that you're fast. I need you to take your crusty self back home and take a shower. I need you to, to, to put some Neutrogena lotion on those wrinkles underneath your eyes and underneath your face. And by the way, man, I need you to get on Amazon and I need you to get some beard oil because that thing's looking nappy. It's all knotted and it's got food left over. Even though you're fasting, I need you to get some beard oil and put it in there and make yourself look the way you should because you're trying to look better than what you are. And then he says, and when you give, listen, I get that you want to give, but I need you to walk out and just forget what you've given. See, people who give and talk about what they give, uh, that's like the worst way to give. And what's interesting is in Matthew's account of the Pharisee, he talks about prayer. You know, the Pharisee talks about how much he prays. Luke doesn't mention that here. Oh, but wait a minute, right? Luke, Luke, Luke is a great writer. He, he takes us back to the beginning of the story where he said there was a Pharisee who stood by himself and did what? 
He prayed. You remember this? I'm interested by the words, he stood by himself, because you know you can stand alone and not be alone. I'm standing alone on this stage, yet I'm not alone because everybody's here. I'm standing alone, and I can see every one of you. And I'm standing alone, and every one of you can see me. And the whole point of what Jesus is saying is, it's not about your method. It's all about your motive. It's all about your motive. See, I, I want you to give fast and pray. I just want you to do it in a different way. Because I need you to think about the why behind the what. Why is it that you're doing what you're doing? What is your motive behind giving, fasting, and praying? What is the motive behind it? Why? Why are you doing that? And Jesus points to something. He points out the Pharisee, but also something else that I think is so great. And you'll see it in just a minute. Why our, our motive is more important than our method. And I think, again, religious people, we get so caught up in the method that you forget the motive. We forget why we're here. We get so caught up in the way we do things, the methodology that we forget. Uh, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be experiencing the presence of God. and I'm supposed to be glorifying the God who's created the world and made the world for us. That's right. That's why we've come today. The motive is to give thanks and to worship, not to cross arms and complain. What is your standalone moment? You, you have these standalone moments, right? You know, the, the time when you took somebody out that you didn't want to go out with for lunch, but you took them out anyway just so others would see that you took them out. Or maybe you've been at work and you helped somebody you didn't care for, but you didn't help them because you actually cared for them. You were only caring for yourself and you just wanted your boss to see you do something good for somebody else so you could get promoted. What, what, what's your standalone moment where everyone can see? You, you, you're always the savior of everybody else's problems. But the problem is, is you're not doing it to save them. You're only doing it just so you look better. And so you can say, look what I did, and look who I helped, and look what I did. Again, not that you shouldn't help people, you shouldn't take out people you don't like, and you shouldn't care for people you don't care for. But it's all about the motive. Nothing wrong with the method. So Jesus wants to look at, us to look at something. I love how he finishes the story when it comes to the Pharisee. He says, but the tax collector, the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, Lord, son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went home justified before God. Here we have a tax collector who realizes his own value and his own worth in a, in a community. And I find it odd that it says that standing before God, recognizing that he doesn't have value, realizing that he's not worthy to stand before God, he doesn't even look up to heaven. But the great thing is this. It says he doesn't look up, but it doesn't tell us he doesn't know where to look. He knows exactly where to look. He knows he's supposed to look up. In comparison to the Pharisee who's always looking out. 
You see the, the comparison here? Jesus wants to say, you're like the Pharisee. You're always looking out at other people's value of you. You're always thinking about what other people think. Guess what? That's a fleeting moment. That is your reward. That's what Jesus says. You find value in what others think about you and their assessment of you. That is your reward. And it's fleeting. It's not eternal. There's nothing to it. In fact, you're going to go from moment to moment to moment to moment. And you're always going to feel empty when it comes to your own vanity. And so Jesus says... Look up, not out. Look up, not out. The standalone moment, you're looking out. When we compare ourselves to other people to make ourselves feel better, we are constantly looking out. And Jesus says, nope. He knows where the mercy is. Look up. So my question to you today is, where is your focus? What are you looking at? Where is your focus? When, when you go to work and when you're, when you're at school or wherever you might be, do you really care what other people think about you? And if you do, man, what kind of life is that for you? You know, it's interesting. I used to ride a motorcycle, believe it or not. I, don't, I, don't look like, I know I don't look like the motorcycle type, but um, I rode a motorcycle. And one of the things that they taught us, which I thought was so cool, is... Um, the most dangerous thing on the road, other than people who don't ride motorcycles, um, is potholes. Um, and so they would always say, listen, the tendency for you when you're riding your motorcycle is to look at the pothole, to look at the most dangerous thing on the road. And guess what? You're going to go where you're looking. And so they would always say, look to safe pavement, look to the left or to the right of the, the pothole, so that way, when you get there, you're going to go around it. But as long as you focus on the pothole, that's exactly what you're going to hit. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in this. Look up, not out. Change your focus. Because as long as we continue to look to others, as long as we continue to value more what other people think about us, you will live an empty life. So much for the good and beautiful life there, right? So you're saying, well, well Pastor, what's our focus then? Like, how do, how do we bring that in? How do we rein that in? And I love this idea. I love this thought that when we look up and not out is that we know who holds the measuring stick. When you begin to look up and not out, when you begin to look at what God thinks about you and not what others think about you, you know who holds the measuring stick. Now, if you haven't paid attention this entire time, zoom in with me here, because this is it. For so many of us, we allow the wrong people to hold the wrong measuring stick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I like to share struggles with you, not because I just like to tell stories about myself. I just like to share stories with you because I want you to know that I'm on this journey with you, and I struggle. I struggle with this stuff just as much as you. And that's why I share. And sometimes I'm a little hesitant about sharing because I'm concerned what you might think about me. <laughs> Vanity, right? But, but, you know, pastors, I don't care who your pastor is or what your pastor is, uh, um, pastors are some of the most vanity-driven people I know, including myself. Um, 
So let me just let you in on my mind for a minute, because this is where I am. See, I always wrestle with this tension of, hey, uh, Brad, are you building for the kingdom, or are you just trying to build the biggest church? The, the tension when it comes to vanity that I wrestle with is, Brad, are you, are you giving this message for other people to come and say a great message, or are you giving this message for other people's lives to be changed by what Christ has done? Are, are you are where you are because you want to be a great leader on the district and you want other people to look at you? Or are you kind of just looking at how you can add value to the district and just help other pastors as well? And that's the tension I wrestle with over and over and over again. And the problem as a pastor is I let other people hold the measuring stick too. Yeah, right. You know, pastoring's like golfing. You can be up here one minute and you'll be way down here the next minute. Some of you who can't hit in the fairway know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And sometimes I feel like I'm in the woods. I'm not on the fairway. There are people who often will say to me, hey, I question the direction that you're taking. Oh, okay. That message didn't do anything for me. Thanks for those words. Not really. I mean, I, people will say that to me. Didn't really help me, Pastor. Thanks. When, when we begin to hold up the measuring stick of, of Man, this is how much money we, we, we are or we aren't bringing in and we're struggling. And by the way, this is how the world values a successful church is by how much money we're bringing in. And I walk home and I feel like a failure because guess what? Oh, that's, that's my leadership. That's, that's my problem. But some of the most freeing advice somebody ever gave me, a pastor said to me, he said, Brad, people will leave your church and it's not because of you. And then he said, and people will come to your church, and it's not because of you. See, my problem is I'm too busy looking out and worrying about what you think and what others think and how others might perceive me, and I lose sight of what's, what's most important. And you know what's so freeing? Is when I can look at my life and say, even if this church fails... Even if I'm not considered a successful pastor, according to the world standards, whatever that may be, we may not be a church of a thousand. We may not bring in tons of money. We, may, we just may not be awesome like other people. Those people, right? At the end of the day, if none of that works out, I can look to my father who has been faithful to me and good to me and loves me and said, that's the wrong stick, my friend. Because I've died on the cross for you, I've been resurrected for you, and I love you immensely. And I've called you to a purpose and a mission that nobody else has been called to, and you have been called the same. Each of one of you has a purpose and a mission that's unique to you, that's different than mine. And I have to be reminded over and over and over again, you're a good, good father. And I'm loved by you. So I would say to you, and I would ask you this question, who holds your measuring stick? Who holds your value and how is that determined? And as long as we allow the world to do that, as long as we allow others to do that, you will be the most vain person in the world. Look up, not out. So you're saying, what do I do this week? I want to challenge you to light Lighten somebody else's load this week. 
And I want you to go out and I want you to do something for somebody else that blesses them in some way. Maybe you do need to take somebody out for lunch. Maybe you do need to take somebody out for dinner. Maybe you need to have somebody over. Maybe you need to babysit for somebody or watch somebody's kid. I don't know what it is, but I would ask that you ask God to speak to you on how you could lighten someone's load this week. Maybe it's carrying a friend's books to their class or inviting them to join you at lunch. How can you lighten somebody else's burden this week? That's what we want you to do. As we said last week, learn to be a blessing to other people. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this day. We give thanks for this time. We thank you that you are the one who has created us and made us and loves us. May we always seek our value from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.